members of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. This is the Ramsey Show. We help people build wealth, do work that they really love, and create amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. And this hour is a blast! We get to talk with people who have successfully become wealthy. Uh, one way to gauge that is your net worth. When you have a net worth of a million dollars or more, you are called a millionaire. A millionaire is not someone that makes a million dollars a year. Your net worth is defined as your income, or your income, your assets minus your liabilities. What you own minus what you owe equals your net worth. When you have that number be a million dollars, you are a millionaire. Well, I don't feel like a millionaire. It's not a feeling. Well, no one should have that much wealth. It's not a moral construct. It is a freaking math formula. And when I hear some of these politicians go, well, he makes a million dollars a year. He's a millionaire. You, it, it just makes me want to my mind explode because they don't even know what they're talking about there's only one definition of millionaire only one when you have a net worth of a million dollars or greater that's all we're going to talk about and here's the interesting thing we've done the largest study of millionaires in north america ever done 10,167 millionaires interviewed more than statistically sound more than statistically significant airtight research and we have data to back this up. And we started doing this hour a few years ago, talking to actual millionaires. Some of them became millionaires from inheritance. Some of them became millionaires from luck. Some of them became millionaires from hard work and saving. Some of them became millionaires by following the baby steps. We call those baby steps millionaires. And we wrote a book about it that's a number one bestseller that has the study of the millionaires in the back of it. And so it's a great book to read to go along with all this. So, Ken, we're going to take calls this hour only from real millionaires and find out how they really did it. Because everybody's got an opinion, but let's talk to the real guy. Yeah, and this is the place where we celebrate millionaires, not put guilt on them for being greedy. You know, I forgot about that. You're supposed to be ashamed. But we're not. <laughs> we're not. We no. are not ashamed, and we are not ashamed of you. We're happy for you. If you inherited it, if you won the lottery, if you worked your tail off, if you started, I don't care what you did, as long as you didn't steal it, then we're going to celebrate you <laughs> right. as being a millionaire. Stephen is our first millionaire up this hour. Stephen is in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Stephen, what is your net worth? Just shy of four million right now. Cool. Way to go, man. That's awesome. So uh, how old are you? I am 62. You and I are the same age, about two months apart. I love it. Met, met many times. So. Very cool. So give me the breakdown on the $4 million. How's it break out? Real estate investments and what? About two point six in retirement, about two hundred in cash outside of retirement, about 950000 in a paid-for beach house in our primary residence. Way to go. Good. Good for you. Love it. That's a great breakdown, by the way. Okay, so how much of this did you inherit? I think I inherited 5000 when my dad died, and we bought a dining room table with it. <laughs> <laughs> like what, that. What I, what I inherited from my dad was work ethic and do whatever it takes. There you go. Ooh, I like yeah, that. That's a good inheritance. If you got to choose, that's the best kind. Uh, and so, 
and uh, what was your range of income during your working lifetime, the last 40 years or so? What was your best year, oh. household income, and worst year? Oh, probably worst year, probably down as low as 15000 Probably best year, somewhere between 15000 200000 Okay. And what would you do for a living, or do you do it for a living? Well, I'm self-employed, so I do uh, – I'm a flooring inspector. I do forensics for flooring warranties. So, okay. What well, do you have? A four-year degree. I have a master's in business and a four-year degree. And okay. I took a two-month-old baby to class for three and a half years to get that four-year degree. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, what was your GPA in college? Probably about three point eight in graduate, or excuse me, in undergraduate. Probably about. The same graduate. Mm-hmm. Wow, show off! That's impressive. Nah. Three point eight. <laughs> so, are you guys? Uh, are you guys TV people or book people at night? I'm, well, I don't watch much TV. If I watch TV, it'll be a video because I can't stand what's on TV. Okay, all right. I'll go with that. And uh, I, tra- I travel a lot, so I do a lot of books in the car. Yeah. So, can this still be done if somebody's out there, twenty-five years old, and listening to you and me? Oh, I wish I would have started back when I was twenty-five. <laughs> started when i was 46 <laughs> wow okay so you think it could still be done now oh yes all day long what do you think they should do if they want to be you when they grow up well yeah so i think warren buffett said you know you have to pay yourself first and then live within your means and make some smart investments and just do it like the turtles long, long you know short, short slow and sweet and steady Wow. So you said you started at 46. I think a lot of people would love to hear uh, what the starting point looked like. Where were you financially when you started this path at 46? Okay, well, let me go to a little bit of background with Dave because you know, my wife and I, when I started, my, I had two businesses at the time. I had a car cleaning company that I started, and then a year later started the business I own now. And about three days before our 22nd anniversary, my wife decided to move out. And we went through counsel for a little bit, divorce filed the next year, had a pastor and his wife devote nine months of their time to get our marriage back together. Mm-hmm. And so we renew our vows. So the first time I met Dave, this is back way many years ago in Knoxville, we did the VIP tickets. We got to eat lunch with you, Sharon, and the kids. Wow. And then we went back that year and did the financial counselor training together. That was the class where the one teammate lost a wife and a child in the car accident. Oh, and Yeah. You you came out to talk to us during lunch, had your team member features in the newsletter, and I went back that year and did entree leadership. You and I had dinner or lunch a couple times there at the Vanderbilt Marriott when you were doing entree leadership. Man, that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. This and is 20-plus years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then you, know, you sent a crew, Justin Baker and a crew to our house about three years ago, right before Everyday Millionaires launched, and they spent a day with us, an entire day. So my granddaughter, actually, she half her life she's lived with us, and she got to be in the second half of the video. So we a long time, and you've been following our story. Yeah. So you, you, you'd remember me if you saw me. Cause, so you're, oh, I, uh, I, I know who you are. So you're, now, now that you've brought all that up, because I've seen the videos, the, uh, so you truly are a Baby Steps millionaire, and you started at 46 from broke. Correct. And our, my, one of my 25th anniversary gifts to my wife when we got back together, well, I had to lie to her because, you know, I told Lord, forgive me for lying, but we, I had already set up a, 
um, meeting at our small group leader's house, and she thought we were going there for something after church. And I actually had her dad come down from Pennsylvania to get her sister in Georgia, brought them up. So they were running behind, so I had to come lie to her and say, hey, I got to stop and get some ice because, you know, Leanne needs some ice. And she had an ice maker there, and Linda just didn't think about it. So when we walked in, I said, happy anniversary again. She said, what's this? I said, mail that check in the house to pay for eight years into 15-year loan. We paid the house wow. off. Wow. <laughs> that's quite a, That's worth the lie. Well played. Well played. Well played. Hey, good to talk to you, man. Proud of you. Proud of you. Very cool stuff. It's a Baby Steps Millionaire's theme hour. This is The Ramsey Show. Let me tell you a story about two families that are very much alike in a lot of ways. Both families have two working parents and a couple of young kids. Each has debt and has struggled to make ends meet. But they're starting to make headway with their budgets and smarter decisions with money. They have dreams and plans, and the only real difference is that one family has the right amount of term life insurance, and the other doesn't. Big difference. If one of the parents die, and that does happen, their well-being would be destroyed. Paying for the mortgage, utilities, food, and other bills would be impossible, let alone saving for education or retirement. That's why every day I talk relentlessly about getting term life insurance. Just go to xanderinsurance.com or call 800-356-4282 and see how inexpensive it really is. Be the family that takes those deliberate steps to be different and responsible. It really does make you the hero of your story, and it puts you on course for better things ahead. Ken Coleman, Ramsey, personalities, my co-host today. This hour is a Baby Steps Millionaires theme hour. We're talking to real millionaires, not your broke brother-in-law, about where millionaires come from. Isn't it funny how broke people have a lot of opinions about this? I've been broke, but listen, here's the thing. You're not supposed to have opinions about people who have wealth if you're not one, uh, unless you actually are basing that in facts instead of your jealousy or your socialistic tendencies, especially around here because this is the number one and number two capitalist pigs on the air today. I like where this is going. So there you go. Hey, if you're struggling with money out there, it's all-consuming. I've been there. I remember being so scared I couldn't breathe. You don't have to live with that kind of stress. Financial Peace University will show you not only how to get out of debt and get control and budget and save and spend wisely, but also how to become a Baby Steps millionaire and how to be outrageously generous along the way. The new course videos are out. This is the best Financial Peace University we've ever had. Dr. John Deloney, George Camel, Rachel Cruz, and me teaching you nine different lessons. You plug in with a group. The group becomes your best buddies, and you walk through life with them for the next little while, and you get your act together. And then you move on and become wealthy. And that's what we want you to do. It does work. Over 10 million people have been through this class. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. Some of you that have been through need to come back through because you fell off the wagon or you flunked the first time. I don't know. It can happen. Um, Sometimes it takes people more than once to do something. I generally don't get things right the first time. Do you? So maybe you need to go back through. Sometimes it gets the first time and they just go launching. But 
RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. We're talking to real millionaires. Charlie is in Lexington, Kentucky. Charlie, what's your net worth? Net worth is just about $2.2 million. Good for you. Give me a little breakdown on that by category, please. I've got about $1.3 million, million in 401k, 403, uh, about 120 in taxable investments, about 185 in Roth, 130 in cash and uh, cash accounts. Got a paid for house, 365, and I bought a adjacent lot between uh, my neighbor's house and myself for 60 grand. Okay. All right. Good. Way to go, man. All right. And so how old are you? 52. Good for you. And how much of this did you inherit? Uh, zero. Okay. And your range of income during your working lifetime, best year and worst year? Uh, best year, 300, just north of 300,000. Uh, worst year starting out around 55. Cool. What do you do? What did you do or do you do for a living? I'm actually an attorney. Okay. All right. Very good. And, uh, so what was your GPA in college? Uh, undergrad was, uh, about a three, three, eight, uh, my JD, I was more around the, the three point. Okay, cool. Very cool. So what do you think as you look back on this, you did not inherit this money. You're talking to a 25 year old young attorney that's out there half your age, who's kind of got his, his or her little lip stuck out and says it can't be done in America today. Are they right? Or are you right? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you have for them? Well, number one, I hope they hadn't taken out student loans like I did and go to school out of state. And that was a mistake. But other than that, I've, I've always lived one, listen to Dave Ramsey. That's, that's number one. Listen oh, to I agree years. with that completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really? I think, I think for me, it's, it's, you got to live within your means. I think particularly when you get into a profession like a, as an attorney or doctor and you think you're somehow, you just mentioned it, you have your lips stuck out a little bit. Live within your means. Don't compare yourself to others. And above all, appreciate what you have and, and focus on your goals and what you can control. I think that's key. I love that. i got to ask you a question. As a successful lawyer, does anybody care? Has anybody ever really asked you and has it done anything for you as to whether or not you went to a, a law school that they were impressed with or not. How much does the brand name of the law school matter to success? I think it's in very limited circumstances. Like anything, it's what you put into it. And quite frankly, again, if I had uh, uh, known then what I know now, I would have saved a lot of money and uh, maybe not have had the student loans if I stayed in state because there are a lot of tremendous attorneys who went to schools that are statistically ranked lower than the school that i attend right so nobody really cares your customers no. don't care no yeah nope nope my clients don't ask where i went to law school I, <laughs> judges don't ask where i went to law school they just look for the results there it is judge reads a brief and goes oh he, he went to harvard we gotta know that no judge said no judge ever yeah yeah i like it so what kind of law were you practicing I, I, I'm in a defense uh, defense firm. I do a lot of uh, insurance defense work. Oh, okay. Wow, cool. Good for you. That's fun. Uh, so um, I know the answer to this question. You're a reader more than you're a TV guy, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, you can't get through law school unless you become a reader. It's just impossible. So and it sticks. Most docs, most lawyers read like voraciously because they have to to keep up in their world. Number one, and you got tremendous number of briefs and things to go through. 
lot of volume of of documents to go through. I assume uh, a ton a ton of reading, a ton of documents. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, very, very cool. Hey, man, it's an honor to speak with you. Congratulations. We're very proud of you, proud for you. Very well done. Jennifer is with us in St. Paul, Minnesota. Jennifer, what's your net worth? Right around $3 million, Dave. Good for you. Give me a little breakdown on that by category, please. Sure. I have uh, my home is right around seven fifty. I did buy an investment property that my son is currently living in while he goes to school, which is two fifty, so a million in real estate. Mm-hmm. Right around one point eight today in my four hundred one case, mm-hmm. and right around two hundred thousand in stock and cash. Good for you. How old are you? Fifty two. Fifty two. Cool. And how much of this three million did you inherit? Absolutely none. Zero. Okay. Nada. Zero. All right, and so uh, your income range, best year and worst year in your working lifetime. Well, I have to tell you that first year that um, I got a job offer, it was $21,000. So that was my first year. Um, I actually got the offer, and I was waitressing all throughout high school, and I said, oh, my gosh, I am making more than 21000 waitressing today. But I knew that, that my career as an accountant was much more uh, long term, so took that twenty one thousand dollar offer in public accounting. And what was your best year? Ever? And best year, um, both my husband and I combined income of about four hundred thousand. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> I like it. It worked out. Yeah. So you've got a degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your GPA in school three point five. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So, what was your biggest mistake? money-wise, the stupidest thing you ever did with money? Hmm. Well, there's a couple things. Um, probably the stupidest thing was when I was in public accounting and you get out of school and you're like, oh, I'm in a, my profession. I uh, upgraded and went into and with my parents and upgraded our family boat. So if you can imagine living in Minnesota for 12 months and nine months of that, you can't even get on the lake or the water. It is really hard to... Uh, write out that check for those nine months when the boat is sitting on dry dock. And let me tell you, I still remember that coupon book today. I can remember cutting it off. I can almost remember the exact amount and thinking every month, oh my gosh, I have to pay for this and I can't even use it. So that probably was number one on my list. Wow. Wow. What would you say to young? Number- oh, sorry. You were going to say number two. Go ahead. Go ahead. Number two dumbest no, thing. Ahead. Okay. I just want to know what you tell young ladies uh, we only got about 30 seconds. What would you say to young ladies who may be starting out in their professional career about becoming a millionaire themselves? What would you tell them? Um, well, I would say number one, um, and this is a big one for me, you can't live in a stock certificate. So don't think about buying stocks. Think about owning property or real estate or a home because in the future, you can't live in a uh, stock certificate. Ooh, that's nice. Interesting. Yeah. Nice line. Uh-huh. Nice line. Good stuff. We're talking to real millionaires today. It's a Baby Steps Millionaire theme hour. This is The Ramsey Show.
Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. It's a Baby Steps Millionaires theme hour. Where we're talking to real millionaires in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. We've got a couple of millionaires live and in person. Hey, guys. Hey. It's uh, Jason Hi. and Cheryl are with us. Where do you guys live? Tampa, Florida. Very cool. Thank you for joining us here in Nashville. And what's your net worth? $1.2 million. Cool. Give me a little breakdown on that by category. I brought a cheat sheet. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, we have two paid for houses, which are $815,000. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 250000 in our Roth and our mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 72000 in a 529 uh, $45,000 in cash, and then 25000 in just other home assets. Got it. Wow. So how long ago did you break the million-dollar mark? <sighs> maybe December? six months ago. Yeah, maybe yeah. six months ago. Okay, so yeah. way to go. How old are you two? I'm 50. And uh-huh. I'm 45. Okay. All right. Very good. And how much of this did you inherit? Uh, I inherited $10,000 from my grandmother when she passed away, and that was during our debt-free journey. So you are not millionaires because of inheritance? No. Oh, no. Not mathematically, anyway. Okay. No. And uh, your income range, your best year working household income and worst? Um, right now, it's about one forty, dollars mm-hmm. um, and at worst, it was probably about 40000 Okay, cool. And what do you all do for a living? I do accounts receivable for a liquor distribution company. Mm-hmm. And I work for the court systems, and then I also have a side hustle that helps us out. Okay, cool. You got four-year degrees? I do. In what? Uh, criminal justice. Okay, very cool. What was your GPA? Mm, like a 2.7. Got it. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, you're in my territory. You're still higher than me, but no shame over there, all yeah, right? no, no, no. <laughs> I played a little too much in college. I love it. So I got two quick questions. One, what's the side hustle? Um, I do social media marketing for businesses in Tampa. Oh, nice. So you charge hourly rates or are you on retainers? Um, I do a monthly rate. Okay, good. And then uh, I'm curious, how long did it take you to become, so when you first started focusing on the financial piece, how many years to become net worth millionaires? What was that total journey? So Jason got the total money makeover book in 2004. If we would have started back then, we'd be super rich. Um, (laughs) But we started our debt-free journey in 2017 and then we did our debt-free scream in 2020. Great. So from 2020 to now we've achieved that status wow that's That's impressive zoom zoom yeah yeah Yeah, very cool okay so you're you got people that are uh, 25 year old versions of you sitting out there listening right now or 18 year old versions of you if it's youtube um (laughs) what um what do you tell them can this still be done because a lot of people telling them they can't become wealthy in america today it can be done why i dropped out of uh college she was homeless on the streets for a while. Yeah, I used to be homeless, um, and I was addicted to drugs for a long time. I've got 19 years clean today. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, I'm just proof that, you know, if you commit to a program, work with a budget, you can be successful. I mean, I went from living in my car to owning two houses, and I'm a millionaire now. It works if you work it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. I'm speechless. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a testimony right there. It so is. That's a mic drop. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can't get in America today. Well, try me. I'm, a, you know, 19 years sober, and I used to live in my car, and now I'm a millionaire, so yeah. shut up, yeah. In Chicago at that, in the cold, <laughs> oh, winter. God, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> You were in L.A. homeless. You were Chicago I homeless. I was Chicago There's a difference. homeless. Oh, golly. But because of your program and budgeting and, like, still just being frugal and, like, living within our means and not trying to keep up with the Joneses and just, like Rachel says, being content with what we have yeah 
We've done it. You know, need to impress other people really goes away once you've lived in your car. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just grateful for everything that we have because it, it could go away in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no, it's all paid for. It is. It, yeah. is, it ain't going anywhere. It's that's crazy the whole. To... That's the whole reason we did this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it can, but if you if you got stupid again, you could do that, yeah, right? And that's but, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as long as you just behave, you, you know, you, the stuff you've done is very very solid. Yeah. It's put you in a very strong position. And let's point out here, one point two million and growing because you're only fifty and forty five. Yeah. I mean, th- this is this is going to just keep on expanding. What a tremendous story. Yeah. You're, you're a great story. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Very Thanks. fun. And so, yeah, that's kind of a uh, anybody can do it story right there. Anybody uh, can do it. Because they can, by the way. That's yeah. the whole purpose of this. Is <laughs> I kept being aggravated by this movement out there, this anti-wealth movement that says, you know, that America's so broken that you can't get ahead today and you, it's impossible. And we've certainly got our problems. Yeah. And there's a lot of mean and angry people out there and a lot of people doing nasty things to each other. No question about all that. But it can still be done. It can be. It yes. can still be done. And you guys have done most of this in the last three years. Yes, since we became debt-free. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty stinking cool right yeah. there. So very, very cool. Man, you guys, that, that's a great story. Thank you for stopping by and sharing that. Yeah, we wanted to do it. I was You're, excited. We're proud of you. You guys are heroes. Yeah, Thank today's you. a special day. Yeah, you, uh, you, you yes. just inspired a whole bunch of people. Somewhere out there, there's a lady that's been dry for 30 days and uh she doesn't know if she can do it or not and she yeah. gets to hear your millionaire story yeah i just i can't believe how far i've come and we've come as a couple and just communicating and like how strong our marriage is and then teaching the stuff to our kids is you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely cool. yeah hey thank you for coming god Thanks. bless you absolutely yeah. amazing so ken when i meet people like that i feel like it's okay for me to be angry when someone mm-hmm says all the people that are millionaires inherited their money they're so lucky mm-hmm. and i meet someone like her yeah. and him and i go i just want to smack your little socialist face i mean yeah it just i can't do that it's not legal but i mean it just a in verbal slap infuriates me though well, it should because for for two reasons one is it's so uh dismissing and so disrespectful to someone who's had a journey like this correct number one number or, or like me I, I had to do it twice mm-hmm. i was a millionaire mm-hmm. and i lost everything i had to do it again sure. i've been a millionaire twice yeah. i'm so dumb it took two times for it to stick right you know and so you can tell me it can't be done i know you're so lucky lucky's butt Lucky right. had nothing to do with it. Right. Well, the reason you're mad and you should be mad is because this is taking away from the individualization, the grind, the struggle that this couple went through. You're talking about Jason, who is a college dropout, and Cheryl is a former drug addict. But see, that doesn't fit the narrative because the narrative says you need the government to take care of you and anybody who doesn't get all of their fortune or all of their goodness of life from the government, well, then they must be greedy or they're cutting the rules. And the fact of the matter is they represent millions and millions of people. Despite their story, they represent millions of people who say, you know what, I'm going to make my way. You can't be rich without ripping somebody off. You have to be a crook. Well, I didn't see any crooks. There's no crooks. It's just hustle, just straight up hard work. I didn't see anybody stealing nothing. Yeah. And the character that both of those people have you know and you got to be brilliant you got to have a big gpa well today we've talked to four 3.8 3.8 3.5 4.0 and 2.7 i didn't see any 4.2s in there no you don't have to be freaking albert einstein either thank no. god because that means i got a shot 
and you got a shot. James has a shot. I'm telling myself there's a chance. All right. right. That's what I'm telling me. There's a chance. (laughs) You know, I mean, seriously, it's not, you you know, now most of the time I don't find 1.9 GPAs. You do have to have some gray matter. That's right. You have to have a little bit of intelligence, you know, to be able to execute on basic plans. Right. And to stick with something. So right. most of these people are somewhere in the high twos to mid threes. Sure. You know, uh, in, in terms of GPA. But this sure. idea that geniuses are who become millionaires, no, they're not. This idea that famous entertainers and athletes and whatever are millionaires have, have bec- is the only way you become a millionaire. They're less than 1% of America's millionaires. Yeah. Are household names. Most of the people are people like those guys right there. Amazing. Uh, you know, they're an accountant, they're a lawyer, they're a teacher, they're policemen, they're, they're run a flooring company. I mean, these are who we've talked to today. That's correct. And so these people, the problem with you folks that are out there lying about the wealthy because you're mad or jealous or whatever it is, the problem with that is it's not just that you're not you're trying to forward some socialistic thing. The problem with your lie is you're stealing the hope yeah. from people who legitimately have a chance to go do this, but if they believe your narrative, they don't have it they don't think they have a chance, so they don't go do it. That's correct. You're hope stealers. Yes. And you hope stealers, you need to be smacked. Yeah. This is the Ramsey Show. Hebrews 13, 16, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Fred Rogers said, I hope you're proud of yourself for the times you've said yes, when all it meant was extra work for you and was seemingly helpful only to someone else. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Very yeah, good. Gotta love Mr. Rogers. Gotta love it. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. This is a Baby Steps Millionaires theme hour. We're talking to real millionaires, asking them how they really did it. Claire is in Boise, Idaho. Hi, Claire. What is your net worth? Uh, My net worth is $7 million. Wow, impressive. And give me a little breakdown on that, please, by category. How much real estate, retirement, and so on? Sure. So I have two point three million in real estate. That's two residences. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three point four in four hundred one k IRA funds. Mm-hmm. Um, three hundred and ten in stock, individual stock. Mm-hmm. Um, three forty five in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, four hundred five in deferred comp, mm-hmm. and then I have another three hundred. Uh, excuse me, two hundred and forty in. Donor advised funds, HSA, and other mutual funds. Wow. Okay. Great plan. You have got a super plan going here. I love the numbers. So, uh, how old are you? I'm uh, 64. Cool. And how much of this money did you inherit? 
I inherited $100,000, uh, but I was already a millionaire at that point. Okay. So you did not become a millionaire because of inherited money, but you got a substantial inheritance. I did. Cool. Okay, good. And um, what was the, uh, I mean, what was your best year working income and your worst year working income since you started life? <laughs> so 24000 was my worst. It was my first year out of college. And then um, 435 gro- adjusted gross income was last year. Wow. Okay. What do you do for a living? Um, recently retired, but I was in uh, executive management of a financial services company. Ah, okay. Explains your beautiful portfolio. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. And so your degree uh, in finance, maybe? Actually, no, it was in political science. Oh, poli sci. Mm-hmm. All right. And your GPA? It was around 3.4, as, as I recall. Okay. So you spent a lot of your life in leadership and or in the business of showing people that this can be done. Correct. I, I was not necessarily on the frontline retail, but mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, our business. Yeah, but you're and, building products uh, and people that allow correct. people to build wealth. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. So you knew yeah. it could be done. So what do you, obviously you think that this can still be done, I assume. Oh, very much so. And and I have to say, Dave, going back to my uh, youth, um, my dad gave us a book. This predates all your good work, but my dad gave us a book called The Richest Man in Babylon um, as we, as he shoved us out the door yep. to the university. And um, even in my lean years, I saved at least 10% of my pre-tax income for uh, retirement and um, that was a huge factor in what I have today. I read that book when I was 13. My dad made us do it too (laughs) and I I still sell that book. We bought it's a public domain and we print a Ramsey version of it and sell it here. It's it's well worth it. It it really resonated with me um, back then. Yeah, it's a great, great parable, and it, it does it gets your get your attention. It was one of the first of the little parable books like that that did a huge volume, and uh, mm-hmm. very, very the richest man in Babylon. For those of you listening that didn't listen well, so yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, Claire, I want to ask you about that. So when you began to save early on, as you look back on it, what did that do for you beyond you know obviously saving the money? What what, what was the principle, or what's something that you would share with somebody younger to say? Here's what I learned from that discipline of saving? Well, uh, one of my motivations was I didn't want to be a burden to anyone in my family um, in my later years. And I, that, that dates back to way back then. And um, it just felt to me that it was the right thing to be doing and not just living beyond my means, if you will. There was, uh, there was a reason for, for it. And that was to look to the future. And when you see the compounding of your money, even in the, in the early days, it's, it's a motivation to continue along those lines. Now, a lot of people we talk to have a one or a two million dollar net worth. Yours is three uh, x or four x that. Um, why? Why? Uh, well, real estate. I've lived in two very lucrative real estate markets, and so that's been a big um, benefit to me. And I worked for a very successful financial services company where I had stock options. And it helped propel and, and had a nice matching. Um, always, I always got the match. Yeah. Uh, so I had two other things. answers in mind. Let me see if they're correct. Okay. Uh-huh. 
I think you started really early. I did. Yeah. And the other thing, I think you, by hanging out in the financial services world, um, that you had a lot of positive peer pressure around you to do smart things with money. I, that's absolutely true. Okay. And, and I've turned around and, and given that same sort of influence on the, the young people in my life. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that was my suspicion anyway. So very mm-hmm. cool. Very cool. Yep. Oh, man, you just uh, you're a wealth of information here. There's a lot of a lot of uh, things people can draw from your particular story. Uh, Claire, I want to ask you, you recently retired. First of all, congratulations. Yeah, uh, that's Thank amazing. You. And clearly you're prepared for it. So I'm curious, uh, what is the next chapter look like for you? Because uh, I'd love to hear that picture now that you're very young at 64 and retiring. Well, um, I'm still figuring that out, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. I've uh, relocated and am finding my new community mm-hmm. um, and picking up a few hobbies, uh, uh, re-picking up my uh, love of golf and um, and just trying to find my way. My Most important to me is family and being uh, available and, and mm-hmm. interacting and spending time with them. So that is um, still... Like I said, still unfolding. Yeah, uh, but so like we say, it. like we say, a financial piece. You know what you can do if you have seven million dollars? Anything and you, you want. want, and that's what I wanted people to hear. <laughs> you don't have to have a fancy answer. You have a lot of peace around this right now. You're so stressed. I do. You're just I easing do. into this. Oh, I know what the other I, thing I, I wanted to ask you was because I, I I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of someone sitting out out there with mm-hmm. their being negative, um, and mm-hmm. I'm solving their objections in a sense here. Uh, during your working life, while you amass a $7 million net worth by 64 years old, uh, were you like living in a cave collecting lint and only coming out on triple coupon Thursdays, or did you enjoy your life and travel and do other things? I, I enjoyed my life. Um, and uh, I, well, I'll have to say it wasn't until my 40s that I actually felt comfortable enough to buying a home in uh, a particular, the particular market I was in. Um, because I didn't want to overextend myself, but, um, yeah, I traveled, I, um, I, I had cars, you know, I didn't, yeah, you weren't, you weren't cars. driving a thousand dollar car and shopping at Goodwill. No, I was not. Yeah. No, I was not. No, okay. that's my, no. you know, sometimes people go, well, I don't want to live my whole life and then not have it, you know, and you've had a good life, a great yeah. life and in yeah. the midst of that have just been very intentional and diligent i'm so proud of you claire congratulations thank you for sharing your story powerful lady right there dude yeah she serious. has her act together serious i mean this portfolio is <laughs> it's like gorgeous oh it's incredible it's beautiful <laughs> so four million two point two three million one point two and seven million we talked to real millionaires today not your broke brother-in-law with a political opinion but real ones not yeah. your friend who's sitting at the coffee shop whining their socialist rhetoric. Real people. Precisely the number of them that, that, in, that became millionaires because of an inheritance that we talked to today, precisely zero. That's correct. So, I also did not hear about any government stimulus checks or student loans being forgiven. And none of, them, none of them credited a former president as having made them wealthy. Didn't come up Based at all. on their vote. <laughs> yeah. So didn't come up. Didn't come up at all. <sighs> there you go, folks. You can do this. That puts this hour in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus.
Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts.